Hello and welcome to another edition of the Wildcat Scoop Podcast. I'm Wildcat Authority Senior Editor Jason Shear, and we are recording this live from Las Vegas. Um, Arizona will face Michigan on Sunday night, and uh, it's it's going to be a very interesting game. Just to recap, Arizona beat Wichita State in a wild game. Um, you know, Wildcat Authority, we have all the coverage, podcasts about that game, so don't want to get too much into that, but it was a wild game filled with momentum changes. Uh, Michigan is coming off a 74-61 win um, over UNLV. That was actually uh, close for, for a little bit, um, but uh, Michigan pulled away, outscored UNLV by 10 in the second half. UNLV not very good. Um, kind of a, a one-man team with Bryce Hamilton and some complimentary parts, and eventually Michigan just kind of imposed its will and uh, and won that game. It may have been fixed, only be, <laughs> it wasn't fixed, but uh, UNLV down 11 points, decided to foul with two seconds left, and uh, Michigan's two free throws wound up beating the spread, which was 12 and a half. So uh, that probably got the biggest ovation of the night um, at T-Mobile Arena, but. When the Roman main event saw the teams involved, this was the matchup that they wanted. This is the matchup the fans want. This will be uh, the marquee game of the night. Um, the, you know, it's it's a big deal, right? And, and for, for an early season game, from Arizona's perspective, it is a big deal. From Michigan's perspective, also a big deal. And the biggest reason is why it may be a little bigger you can make the argument for Michigan is because this is a team that only a few days ago lost to Seton Hall um, at home. And so, you know, they beat Buffalo pretty easily. Um, they beat, you know, PV, killed them. You beat UNLV. Um, yeah, I call, them, I call you PV when, uh, when you're not good enough. <laughs> when you Prairie View A&M Panthers. Uh, but I just call you PV. Um, in that Seton Hall game, they lost 67 to 65, and if you take a look at that game, uh, it was ugly. And Michigan shot decent, 41 percent, but only three of 15 from three. Um, they they won the glass in that game. They finished with more assists. They finished with more steals. Uh, they finished with the same amount of turnovers. So you're like, well, why did they lose? Uh, it, it's real simple. Seton Hall went to the line six more times, made the same amount of free throws, but the difference was the three pointers. Michigan three for fifteen, Seton Hall nine for thirty. That is uh, your ball game. And, and so, looking back at you know that game and just Michigan in general, um, I got up close. You know, I, I waited uh, and, and watched that UNLV Michigan game on Saturday. Sorry, on Friday night. Um, you know Michigan. I think if you, that was a difficult scenario for them. That game didn't tip until like ten p.m. local time, midnight in Michigan. That's it, it's just a a brutal timing thing. I uh, wasn't surprised the game was closed for a large chunk of it. Um, now that they're, you know, kind of uh, used to, um, you know, the the overall, the timing and all that, and they got accustomed to it, it won't play a factor. It's an early enough tip where it won't play a factor on Sunday. So what type of game can we expect? Michigan style is going to be very difficult for Arizona. It doesn't get up and down the court, but it is a very good defensive team and a good jump shooting team, and a very good half-court offense team. Arizona is going to have to really work for things. Uh, Michigan is not going to let Arizona run up and down the floor. It's not their game. If they do, 
Um, Michigan is playing to Arizona style, and Arizona is just fine with that. Uh, Michigan's average possession length, according to Ken Palm, on offense is 170th in the country. The tempo is 243. This is it's similar to Wichita. Um, they are not going to want to run. Juwan Howard is a good enough coach to make sure that they don't run. And if they do, that means that Arizona is imposing its will in the sense where it is forcing Michigan to play their game. Michigan doesn't want to do that. Michigan is going to make Arizona guard them in the half court, play a slower game, limit the transition attempts, and, and, and really kind of go from there. Uh, the reason Michigan is so difficult is because they have shooters at nearly every position. Um, yeah, you don't necessarily want Hunter Dickinson shooting jumpers. He's capable. That's not his game. But beyond that, they have shooters at nearly every position and guys that can kind of make Arizona pay. They're not a big three-point shooting team. Michigan's not going to go out Sunday night and shoot 30, you know, 30 attempts from three. Um, they're, they're very good at defending the three, but they're not going to go out and say, you know what, let's just go and, and, and you know, they're, they're 260th, okay, and three points attempts out of the field goals attempted. They're not a big three-point team. They're not a big assisting team either. Um, the, a lot of their stuff is kind of one-on-one offsets and all that. So, personnel breakdown, how this game matches up. Um, at point, you're going to have Kirk Risa versus Devontae Jones. Devontae Jones is one of the best rebounding point guards in the country. Not a huge scorer, um, but a, a very good rebounding point guard. Now, when I say not a huge scorer, he actually has the capability. Um, there's always that difference when you transfer from a smaller school to a bigger school. At Coastal Carolina, when his team needed him in a much lower level of competition, he shot uh, 13 times a game. But he, he averaged 19 points per game. He has always been a good rebounder. From the time he was a freshman, he averaged four rebounds a game as a 6'1 point guard. He's very stocky, 200 pounds. This season, he's averaging 7.3 rebounds a game. Um, he's averaging nine points, seven rebounds, five assists. He turns the ball over two and a half times per game. But he is their point guard. He is going to be on the court quite a bit. He's averaging uh, 29 minutes a game. And from a physical standpoint, it is a difficult matchup for Kirk Risa. Kerr is a better offensive player. I don't think there's any doubt in that. But this is going to be a physical matchup. Jones is going to get right on him. And what they're going to do is they're going to try to make physical and, and get Kerr kind of off his game. Uh, they have to keep Jones off the glass. If Jones is hitting threes and scoring and he's averaging, you know, he scores 15 points, Arizona got blown out. That's just what happened, right? Uh, the biggest thing is, you know, for Jones, keeping him off the glass. Wichita State was very aggressive on the offensive glass and did a great job on the off 20 offensive rebounds. Jones is good for one a game, right? And, and if he's getting more than one a game, you know, most of his uh, rebounds are on the defensive glass, but he's aggressive. You're not 6-1 and average seven rebounds for the heck of it. And so Arizona, it, to me, that's the biggest challenge. Um, Kirk Kreese struggled against Wichita State, came up big when they needed him in overtime, but he's got to let the game come to him a little bit more. And I like the fact that he's aggressive. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be aggressive. What I'm saying is he took some bad shots. There was a sequence where he took like three threes in a row and missed each one, and it just kind of felt like he was forcing the issue and trying to, 
to shove the ball, you know, in the basket and hope that it went in. You can't do that against Michigan. They're too good. Arizona needs to be better with its shot selection, and a lot of that starts with Kirk Lisa. Um, the offense as a whole get, got stag- stagnant a little bit. Can't blame Kerr for that. It goes around. It's a problem with, you know, it's a team issue. But that can't happen against Michigan. You can make a very legitimate argument that Kerr's the most important player in this game because if he struggles, the rest of Arizona tends to struggle. And against a, a team that's as good as Michigan, um, you're asking for it if your point guard struggles. And so uh, Kerr needs to be better just in shot decision-making. But, um, you know, defensively, the good thing is Jones isn't a big score unless something changes from the first four games of the season for Michigan. Got to keep him off the glass, though. Uh, moving on, shooting guard position. So Eli Brooks is 6'1". So Michigan is not big in the backcourt, two one guards. But Eli Brooks is a stud this season. Uh, his numbers this season are absolutely ridiculous. 22 points against UNLV did not turn the ball over. 17 points against Seton Hall. Two turnovers, six rebounds, four assists, 15 against PV, 11 against Buffalo. But he's shooting 54% from the field as a shooting guard. He's averaging 16 points, four rebounds, two assists per game. That matchup is very, very dangerous um, for uh, for Arizona. And the reason is he's 6'1", but you can't really put Ben on him. Um, it's, it's, it's probably got to be Dalen. And it, it is a, a difficult thing to ask anyone in Arizona because he is smaller and such a good scorer. And Dalen was on Etienne, and it worked, um, you know, for, for a good portion. And then Tyson Etienne uh, went off in, in the second half like we saw. But Etienne, um, you know, he's, he's 6'2". So they're going to switch guys. They're going to pet pal Dalen. The band will probably get a little bit more time. But this is a very difficult defensive matchup for Arizona. And, and don't get me wrong. It's a, de- it's a difficult defensive matchup for Michigan as well. Like Eli Brooks guarding Ben is a complete mismatch in terms of size and overall athleticism. Um, Brooks has the speed. But Brooks has played very, very well uh, so far this season. And, and he's a guy where, you know, Arizona is, in my opinion, that's probably... Um, one of the bigger defensive obstacles is Brooks and his ability to score. If Brooks isn't scoring, if Arizona slows him down, it will be very difficult for Michigan to score. They're not filled with scores. They're an efficient half-court offense. They're not going to get up and down the floor with guys that could score at every position necessarily. If they need a guy that's going to get a bucket in a hurry, it's Eli Brooks. Beyond that, it's a little bit more methodical. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how Arizona goes out and guards Brooks as opposed to, you know, do they let Ben try to guard him? I don't think that's a good idea. But do you, if you let Dalen, are you risking foul trouble like Wichita? I don't think you are. I think that was kind of a one-off. But that's definitely something um, that we'll have to watch closely. Uh, and, and keep in mind, with Eli Brooks, even though he's a very good scorer, he's not going to go out and chuck up a bunch of threes. He's averaging, you know, four attempts from three. Uh, he's, he's shooting 50%. Eventually, you assume he's going to cool off for his career. He's more around the 40% range. He's just off to a really, really hot start. I mean, last season, he shot 42% from the field. This season, he's shooting 53 You can absolutely make the argument that he's going to return back to normal. Like, is Eli Brooks the 16-point scorer, 54% from the field that we're seeing so far this season? 
or is he the nine and a half point score 42 percent for the field that we saw last season or is he somewhere in between my guess is somewhere in between arizona will try to make him return kind of back to earth but um if he plays like he has obviously it, it's a difficult matchup for sure uh next up you have brandon johns i'm sorry next up you have caleb houston at the three um houston is intriguing because he's a much better shooter than he has shown he's only hitting 32 percent from the field in high school he was a much better shooter he's a very smooth shooter um, but he doesn't do a lot else he's a decent passer he's been turning the ball over um, you know a few times a game turned it over twice against UNLV uh, he's going to play quite a few minutes Juwan Howard likes him quite a bit played 33 minutes against UNLV played 39 minutes against Seton Hall difference being you know he had four points against Seton Hall five against UNLV but he's better than his show so if you look at his stats you say oh Caleb Houston he's only shooting 32 percent yeah true but it, he's had a, a couple, you know, two bad games. Against Buffalo, he shot 57% and had 11 and 6. Against Prairie View, he had 13 points. You know, it's he's a better player than he's shown. With that being said, Dale and Terry can absolutely guard him, and so can Ben. Because Houston's not the type of guy that is going to beat you um, off the dribble. He's just, that's, that's not really his game. Uh, he's averaging eight shot attempts per game, and five of them are coming from three. Right? It's just, it's... It's not his game. He has 21 of his 34 attempts on the field are from three, which makes him a player that Ben could probably guard. It makes sense to me to let Dalen try to guard Eli Brooks and to let Ben guard Caleb Houston because Houston's not going to take uh, you to the hole. And if he is, good luck. You still have bigs there. Um, but Houston's the type of guy where if he gets hot, you're probably in trouble. But, I mean, you could really say that with any player. you know. But Houston is a better player than his stats indicate. Uh, at the four is Brandon Johns. He'll, he's an interesting player because he's really not that good. He's a good defender, uh, complete non-factor on offense. Has always been a non-factor in off on offense. He's a guy where, you know, I say Caleb Houston, if he could get hot and score 50 points, so be it. If Brandon Johns scores 50 points, I don't really know what happened, right? Had two points against Prairie View, five against Buffalo, six Seton Hall, seven against UNLV. Uh, he played seven, uh, 16 minutes against UNLV. It's good for probably 20 minutes a game. He's a good defender. Like, that's that's what he is. Um, it's actually a, a surprise. Not that he's starting. He's an experienced defender, uh, senior, 6'8", 240. Um, you know, his defense is what puts him as a starter. But in terms of their starting five, he's probably the, the worst of the bunch. Not a big threat. If you're a Azulis uh, Tabellis, you, uh, you got to kind of take it to him right it, and, and be aggressive there um it, it, Azulis should be able to have the type of game that he wants uh to have and, and even though that Brandon Johns is a good defender not super athletic this matchup is fine for Arizona on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball the matchup that is the most exciting in this game to me is Hunter Dickinson versus Christian Coloco by now you know about Hunter Dickinson as a freshman Scored 14 points a game and only 25 minutes of action. Added seven rebounds. Blocks, you know, a couple shots per game. Really, really good. Has started off uh, killing again this season. 27 against Buffalo. Double-double against Prairie View. 18 against Seton Hall. 13-7 and seven against UNLV. 
shooting 66% from the field. So he's averaging 17 points, 8 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 66% shooting from the field. He weighs 260 pounds. Now, he has not faced a player with the overall athleticism and size of Christian Coloco. The, uh, the closest thing to that was Obiagu on Seton Hall. And Obiagu 7'2", 265. So he's big, but he's not athletic. And frankly, he's not that good. Like, Obiagu's only playing 20 minutes a game and averaging one point and four rebounds. He's, he's not as good as Coloco. Uh, Coloco is a completely new player this season. And this is the national stage game for Christian Coloco. And I'm sure the coaches are telling him this, where, hey, we know how good you are and how good you've been. But if you go out and do that to Hunter Dickinson... You're you're a first round pick, <laughs> like and and I and I know I'm probably um, exaggerating a little bit, but he's played. Christian Coloco has been the best defender on Arizona. I don't think he actually is getting enough credit for what he did against Wichita. He was credited with four blocks and no steals, but I'm telling you, if you go back and watch that game, that dude he had ten deflections and completely changed when Wichita went into the paint. Um, that's going to be his role again. He's going to have to defend. Hunter Dickinson without getting in foul trouble, um, and and he you know they don't need Christian Coloco to be a big offensive player, but Hunter Dickinson doesn't foul a lot. He's a big physical dude, um, and he's obviously you know really really good. Like there's no <laughs> BS. Um, he's not a fully advanced quick post move player, but he's really strong and he knows what he's doing with those post moves. Where he has struggled defensively is with teams that make him guard quicker players. And it will be very interesting to see if Arizona does choose to go a little smaller and put Tubelis at the five, which Tommy Lloyd said he wanted to do a little bit more against Wichita looking back on it, because Dickinson can struggle against those quicker players. He's fouled out in games. I thought against Texas Southern last year, I believe, um, when you know they play those quicker styles. So does Arizona match up with Michigan? Or does Arizona force Michigan to match up with them? That's going to be something um, that is very interesting to see. Coming off the bench, um, Musa Diabate is a stud, right? So you watch him against UNLV, and you say to yourself, man, um, this guy is awesome, right? And he is. He is really good. Uh, the thing is, what I don't think people necessarily realize, is that before that game, he didn't do anything this season, right? So he had 14 points and seven rebounds against UNLV. It was awesome. Looked like a lottery pick. But against Seton Hall, he had one point in 11 minutes. Against Prairie View, at six and eight and 15. And against Buffalo, he had seven and five. This may be the type of game that's a better matchup for him. But obviously, Juwan Howard sees something where he doesn't necessarily trust Gibate to play big minutes right now. He is very good. He may be the best NBA prospect on the court. But there's obviously something there that Jawan Howard doesn't trust um, in order, you know, to kind of make him uh, a major player in this, you know, on this roster. But again, he may just say, hey, he's good enough to come off the bench, give Brandon John 16 minutes a game. So be it. Um, also, they have uh, Terrence Williams, the second, 6'7", sophomore, uh, 230, another big guy, averaging seven points, four rebounds a game. 38% from the field. Um, he had 15 points against Buffalo, and then he hasn't scored 15 points combined in his last three games. He's talented, um, has the ability to score, obviously, 
but not really a, an explosive player. Uh, the thing that I think people need to realize about Michigan is we talk a lot about Diabate, and even I tweeted Diabate and Dickinson versus Coloco and Tubella should be awesome, but those guys aren't on the court together at all, right? So Diabate will play 14% of his minutes at the four, according to Ken Palm, and 26% of his minutes at center. So he's the third power forward in the second center. Hunter Dickinson gets 71% of his minutes at the five, or else he's not playing, right? So Jones, Brooks, Houston, Johns, and Dickinson, like I mentioned, that's the lineup. Uh, sometimes they'll move Brooks to the point and put in Kobe Bufkin, who's a French freshman, pretty decent. They'll play Terrence Williams at the three, and they'll kind of move things around and play Diabate, right? Um, and, and so you're not going to see those guys on the court. Their most co common lineup is the starting lineup, like I said, has played 28.6% of the time, Jones, Brooks, Houston, Johns, Dickinson. The second most common is Jones, Brooks, Houston, Williams, and Diabate, right? And so what they'll do is they'll take out the four and the five and keep one through three pretty much um, the same. Maybe they'll move some things around, but Diabate is going to play the five in this game. Uh, and, and so because of the fact that he's going to play the five in this game, that's when Dickinson is off the court. And so if you're subbing Dickinson for Diabate, at the end of the day, it's really not that big of a deal because Diabate is still, you know, he's going to get his, but he's not going to be as good as Dickinson in terms of overall production. So how does Arizona win this game? Well, it's simple, right? Uh, <laughs> Arizona wins this game by taking care of the mistakes it made against Wichita. And what I mean by that is it turned the ball over too much. If it turns the ball over that much in a high-paced game with Michigan, Tommy Lloyd is probably okay with it because it means that Michigan's not playing their game. If it turns the ball over in a half-court offense game against Michigan, Michigan probably just won by 20 points, right? It's just a recipe for disaster. And then rebounding. Arizona has to rebound the ball with Michigan. Michigan will make Arizona pay on the offensive glass if it is not careful. Um, you know, it is a, a good enough offensive rebounding team. They're 48th in the country, according to Ken Palm. They have to be able to go and rebound the basketball. Michigan's not an outstanding defensive rebounding team, but they're very efficient at what they do, right? That's just what it comes down to. Michigan does what they do, and they do it very well. Okay, so Arizona is also a good offensive rebounding team. This game could very well be decided by which team rebounds better and takes care of the ball. And I don't expect either team to shoot a very high percentage. If Arizona can get Michigan in transition consistently, it has a very good chance of winning this game. But that is going to be very difficult to do. And right now, you know, I, I always give my prediction. I don't think this is an unwinnable game for Arizona. I absolutely think Arizona is good enough to win this game. Um, I think Wichita State being a difficult game helped Arizona because I expect the game against Michigan to be a difficult game. So in that regard, I think it helps. But I just think right now Michigan is the better team. Not a deeper team, but a, just a better team. And so I'd probably pick something like, and I haven't done my breakdown yet, but 76-70 to 70 Michigan. Um, look, if Arizona goes out, and loses to Michigan by six points, I think people should be fine with that. And I know that we want Arizona to win every game, but that's a successful week for me, where Arizona comes out, 
beats Wichita, has a close game or Michigan, they go home and, uh, you know, get some work in and, and kind of go into Pac-12 play um, with some confidence. If Arizona beats Michigan, you know, I don't care what it looks like. If Arizona beats Michigan and there's threads about what Arizona looked like, if it's not that good, who cares? I said this on my last podcast. It's survive and win at this point of the season. But this is going to be by far Arizona's most difficult game. I think Michigan is a little bit underrated. I know they lost to Seton Hall, but they just do a lot of things well. And they don't make mistakes. Um, They just don't really kill themselves. They generally take care of the ball. Um, You know, it's, it's, they're a good team. Now, they don't force a lot of turnovers either. They're not a team that's going to force a lot of turnovers. They don't swipe. They're not aggressive in that way. They're a little bit different um, than Arizona is in that regard. Arizona will force more turnovers than Michigan. Michigan is, let's get in the half court and let's really defend hard and get on the glass. So it's a very intriguing matchup. Um, You know, nothing... I think Arizona blowing out Michigan would surprise me. If Arizona lost to Michigan by double digits, I wouldn't be shocked. If Arizona beat Michigan, I wouldn't be shocked. But I'm uh, I'm predicting a close game, and uh, we'll see. You know, it's fun to have this type of game at this point of the year, regardless. So once again, I'm Jason Shear with Wildcat Authority. Thank you guys for listening to the Wildcat Scoop Podcast.